Deliver us serenity, deliver us peace, deliver us love, and we know we need it. You know we need it, you know we need it. Then I need you now. Pray for Paris, pray for the parents. This is a God dream. This is a God dream, this is a God dream We on an ultralight beam We on an ultralight beam This is a God dream This is a God dream This is everything Hello and you're listening to WKCR FM New York and WKCR HD1 and this is a pre-recorded uh, interview. Uh, today is Tuesday, uh, 18th of August, and I'm talking to uh, Kelly. So Kelly Sophia Maksud is a Kenyan, Tanzanian, Canadian, Muslim, Christian visual artist and writer based in New York, concerned with histories of the colonial encounter and its effect on memory. Maksud's interdisciplinary practice uses multiple voices to work towards destabilizing received histories and manufactured identities. Maksud earned her BFA in painting from the Ontario College of Art and Design University in Toronto, a diploma in art and curatorial studies at the, at the new Center of Research and Practice and is currently an MFA candidate at Columbia University. Her work has shown in a range of venues including the Bamako Biennial in Mali, National Museum of Contemporary Art in Seoul, South Korea or Galeria Nueva, Spain, and the Biennial of Contemporary Art, SCSC, Video Brazil. And the song you just heard was Ultra Light Beam by Kanye West. So welcome, Kelly, <laughs> with, <laughs> with your song. What's this song? <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I have a very, like, sort of love-hate relationship with Kanye West, but... <laughs> When I love him the most, it is that song that I love. Um, uh -huh. And I don't know, I think that he's, he's one of those um, characters within, you know, the larger sort of Black diasporic community that is very problematic, but you sort of have to love him at the end of the day. Um, sort of reveals a lot of internal contradictions that we all face and you know ultimately he's not well um but that song <laughs> that's he's a genius he's he a genius and like for me that song is you know is part of that genius like um i tried to resist him for a very long time and when you asked me to come up with the four songs which was very difficult by the way like uh -huh, uh -huh. uh everything started like I was like, oh, but this this should be like I started creating like playlists and just like this should be followed by this and then it should go into this and I'm like, but it's just four songs. I need to create a journey. I don't know how to do this in four songs. So, um, yeah, but like you know, I I just realized like after thinking about it for some time that Kanye, it had to start with Kanye. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
I never kind of could could I, I I didn't have like an entry point into him never mm-hmm. like uh, like I had in like other types of music I don't know I think he's too too like complex for me like in the sense he's made I don't know it's too crazy for me he's too crazy it's it's not kind of music which I can easy it's not an easy read maybe right I mean yeah. like I think that. I think that with Kanye, and it's something that I have to remind myself as well. I mean, with many artists, it's just like, there is the music that they produce and there is the people that they are, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's it's not very binary, you know? Like, it's not this or that. I think a lot of the time it's like, you can be a genius and also be a very problematic person, you know? And that doesn't necessitate like, canceling them or like whatever it's actually we need to have more conversations where you know people are huge contradictions but still doing the work you know and i think that that's actually more present in our communities than not yeah yeah it's kind of dangerous maybe to flat out flatten out everyone on some kind of general ideal of what's good yeah and then we don't have all this like extreme kind of uh, cases where people actually create like kind of magnificent things <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah but uh you know when i first talked to you mm-hmm. uh i was totally surprised uh that you came from kenya like i um m- like didn't meet a lot of people from kenya in my life i must say mm-hmm. uh and also in the arts mm-hmm. i didn't uh kind of mm, you know uh i did i didn't think about uh what is produced in contemporary art in kenya for example like how, how when did you come to the us where, uh, how how did you uh think about art when you were there and you know right i mean like i'll start off to say that the last time that like i like fully full time lived in in kenya was when i was you know, 19. Um, uh-huh. And um, so it's been a number of years. Um, and I think that like, definitely like, growing up there, um, there is and has always been like an art scene there. Um, I didn't quite know how to engage with it. Um, it always, yeah, it just like, it, it seemed like it was very specific. It seemed like it was geared towards more of like a tourist um, gaze. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that like there was other stuff happening that I just didn't know. So um, yeah, and then like you know the the older that I've gotten, the more that I've become aware of like maybe a bit more of like a history of like art production that was happening out of there. Um, but now, I mean, like there's a lot happening. There's a lot happening now. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of like contemporary young artists from. Kenya who might not be making work based in Kenya because this is this is also like a thing where it's like you can be a Kenyan and not producing from Kenya or not producing from Africa but you still you know from there and stuff um I think like most well known is Wangeshi Mutu who is um she I mean she lived in New York for uh, many years and has recently moved back to Kenya but she is you know world 
renowned um, at this point. Um, and, you know, if you don't know her work, then I would encourage you to look up her work. Like, it is um, pretty spectacular, like the range of like sculpture to uh, mixed media collage. Um, how how do yeah, you write that? How do you spell uh, that? It is W A N G E C H I. Uh -huh. And then the last name is M as in Michael, U T U. Uh, okay, I will yeah. write it down. But also for people who listen, they can look it up. And yeah, so so have you gone to art school there? Like, what what was your uh, like? What no, did you do? I mean, like when I was there, I I you know like I was born and raised there, and then I left to go to university in Canada when I was nineteen. Um, and I went to art school like in Canada when I was uh, nineteen. Yeah. And so I didn't really, like I, I did like high school, like, you know, there. And then once it was time to go to university, like a lot of, um, many people do leave, but also I should acknowledge that it's like, you know, people who can afford to leave, like, you know, middle-class and up um, to go and like study elsewhere. Um, and so, yeah, so I ended up going to Canada, which was a little bit random, but, um, I did either way, <laughs> and did you just apply from home on the internet on like whatever, or did yeah. you like have relatives or? I had I had a cousin who was studying in in Canada, not in Toronto, but in Canada. Uh -huh. And so like it, you know, it didn't seem like super wild for me to like go there. I mean, like the, the biggest reason of going there was that it was um, affordable for my parents. Um, <clears throat> you know, the tuition in America was like really expensive. Like I'd initially got um, got into a university in the States, but it was like, even with the scholarship, it was way too expensive for us to be able to afford. Yeah. And then um, in Kenya, because we are a British colony, like all of our schools are sort of like British system with the exception of like the local schools, which are a Kenya, Kenyan system. Um, but many of schools are like uh, British system, which sort of, it's, it's almost like it's training you to go study in the UK, you know? Um, but even with that, like it was still expensive for my parents. So then I ended up in Canada, which ended up being like the cheaper of the three to study in. Yeah, but the UK system has also a similar system as the States. It's, it's this like, is this like the BFA, MFA, MA and stuff system? Uh, in, in, in Canada? Uh, I mean, the this British system is that the BAMA system? Yeah, yeah. So it would, it would, it would, yeah, it would still be. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it would definitely. Like, I mean, like the whatever you end up getting, like at the end of it, whether it's a BA or an MA, yeah, like those things remain the same as like I don't know, like the standard of what you like receive the paper at the end of it remains the same. But I think the process or like the education or like the things that they're the different countries tend to like I don't know it's, it's kind of different like it's different like education in the UK versus education in the US is really quite different oh okay okay mm. I didn't know I thought it's the same because I was looking at schools too uh, in that sense and I know that Germany mm. is a completely different system like we also accepted this like BAMA system so it was easier for me to go to the US or something, even though 
like maybe for me it would be better to go to Germany or something you know right. yeah it's more like related and yeah the, and and a lot of your, your work is about um, like uh, as I saw is about like this communication between like uh, borders displacement and like how we understand uh, different countries who might not have like Kenya who doesn't have like this big identity in the world like like France or I don't know like you know like uh, so because uh, I saw this play this uh, this work you I remember when I was a soldier mm -hmm. where you talk about how World War Two is perceived and how uh, people of color are not even on photos or and things like that mm -hmm. like presented as heroes or I don't know right yeah I mean I think that okay so first of all I think Kenya does have like an identity like the first thing that everybody tells me when they hear that I'm Kenyan is they ask me if I run <laughs> really um, yeah like because Kenya is very much known for its runners you know um, okay <laughs> and it's just like, that at least will be the first thing like that people will say but I think that like you know also um, it's very sort of like well known for like its tourism and like what have you um, so I do, I do think that it has like, you know, a bit of a place on like the world map and stuff. Um, but yeah, but then like, you know, there's, there's also sort of like, I think for me, it's like a question of like, there's like the big history and then there's like what one might say is minor history and like what gets claimed to be like, you know, sort of universal world history versus, um, other stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's just like, it's it's a question of like, um, I don't know, like European history as like it's been received has sort of just been like the claim to be all and all, but it's, it's never really sort of like included um, you know, the, what, what is the place of the African in this? What is the place of the black person? What is the, what is the place of like the feminine? Like um, uh -huh. a lot of things just get erased somehow. Um, and yeah, and in erasing, in, in, in this type of like erasure, then I think for like a lot of us who come from the continent, it's a question of like, where do I fit in this history? Yeah, I think, I think that there's, there's definitely the question of like, you know, I think that like with like a lot of like, you know, sort of like the African or the black has been posited as like not having any history, right? Like we don't, like we're not capable of, you know, we're ahistorical in many ways and stuff. And so yeah. um, we then become like sort of just mixed into this like universal idea of like, you know, what the sort of like world making that's like happened um but yeah that is obviously like super problematic and um yeah that there's just i think i'm just questioning a lot of these things and like yeah. i'm not finding i'm also just like it's i should say that i don't really question this stuff as like um like my center like moves a lot because, you know, like in my bio, when I say that I'm Kenyan, Tanzanian, Canadian, Muslim, Christian, like, 
mm-hmm. it really is that I have all of these, you know, like I, my family is Tanzanian, so I'm technically not legally Kenyan, even though I was born and raised there. Um, you know, my, my, I've grown up like going to the mosque and also having to go to church. Um, because your father or mother. Yeah. So my, my father, different yeah, they're yeah. different religions and stuff. And so it's kind of been this thing for me where it's just like there isn't one center as I have multiple centers you know so yeah I don't think that I necessarily make one from make work from like a perspective of like a Kenyan per se um it kind of whatever I'm making the work from the position is is continuously shifting for me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and that's that's what may be a place of someone who is maybe like and then you're like placed into this like non-american like just that that's the position when you're like not from this like homogenic history mm-hmm. which is like you're just like not that that's where where you're placed like in the like kind of second third world third world narrative which is kind of uh always seen as kind of a weird narrative like oh like i don't know what's happening there it's something crazy i mean like I, I come from a place which is in Europe and has kind of also this like no no history, no no kind of nobody w- wants to know what's happening there thing, you mm-hmm. know, which is also like when I came here, I just started to questioning that just for me. Suddenly, you know, I, I just felt like someone from there. Like, you know, okay. it's, yeah, it just makes you think about that, this place here maybe. Yeah, and I, I think that like I think that in America, um, as as a person who is um, black, you just I think that I just get amalgamated into like the identity of black, you know, and like, and that is such a complex and vast um, sort of like space to just sort of be plopped into because it also you know there is there is a huge history that like I don't know about necessarily you know like there's things that I'm like continuously sort of like learning about and like yeah also things that I you know like where I'm also for you know like just because I'm black does not mean that I have been raised to be um, pro-black you know like I feel that like even as like you know the way that like maybe a lot of Africans might be very anti-black, you know? And so it's like, there's also that type of work that needs to happen where it's just like, it becomes very complicated when you just sort of like get um, sort of forced into this box and then yeah. have to sort of like think about like, well, what are like, you know? Yeah, so it, it just like, and, and you know, for sure, it's just like, maybe I have like, um, having lived in Canada, like, you know, obviously, like, I've engaged with, like, a lot of questions around Blackness and um, racism and anti-Blackness, but, like, from a, also from a very Canadian perspective, which is very, you know, which is different from an American perspective, so. Yeah. Yeah, so there's just, there's just a lot of um, complexities and positionalities in which we are sort of, like, forced into and sort of, like, the projection in which people expect you to, like, make work, you know, like, yeah. There might be this expectation of like making work that is just like completely about your struggle as like a black person, but it's just like what what is blackness, you know, to begin mm-hmm. with. Like let's actually have that conversation first before. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. I see it like as a danger of like oversimplifying everything. You know, mm -hmm. you need to be clear who you are here because mm -hmm. things go fast and there's no time for like complicated stories. <laughs> you know, you just need to be clear. Like, you know, if you're just, if you're all these things at the same time, kind of more, more identity groups at the same time, which are either visible or like uh, hearable or like in any kind of, uh, people get confused and they're like, oh, I can't, you know. Oh yeah, people can't like handle like my, like yeah. my Kenyan, Tanzanian, like Muslim Christian shit, they can't handle that stuff. Yeah, it's like, too much. It's too much. much. <laughs> it's just like pick one and that'll be like, just pick one. you know, but I'm just like, no, let's sit with this, this contradiction because this is a contradiction. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. To be, like never, like even like territory is like one thing, but to be Muslim and Christian and to say, hey, I'm claiming both of these in this day and age is like, you know, I don't think a lot of people like, do that way. I mean, like, gra granted, I'm not a practicing Muslim or Christian at this point, but this is this is also like part of my upbringing, you know. So yeah, yeah, because um, the system the system is not organic. The system is uh, built. It's non-organic, and non-organic like a computer. It needs to understand all its like parts. It cannot have something which is not logical to the computer. You no, know, there's no. not an infinite number of tasks a a system can make, you know, like I'm thinking that anyone who's like just outside of the computer system, kind of, which the computer can like kind of understand is just like an error. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's, yeah, yeah. That, that's why I kind of always think that the system is actu actually even having a system is kind of weird. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. But the world works in systems. You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there's yeah. no, there's no way in, to abandon it. You can just kind of now leave the contradiction and then leave the system like, op, like at the same time <laughs> or something. Yeah, and I think that like in part like with with probably like what I've been working on for the last year or so. Um, it is asking this question. It is asking the question of like, how is it that the um, state relates to its citizens and how do the citizens relate to the state? Because it's the two different things, right? The state and like sort of like the language of the state is very much, um, it's very much about like building some kind of unified identity within a particular enclosure but we all know that on the ground that's not how it works right like there's a lot more fluidity in the everyday and so how how can we like maybe attend to the everyday the fluidity the the things that are like pushing against you know this grand narrative and like how can we how do how are people also like refusing that every day like what are some of the yeah i don't know it's just yeah so this is sort of like a lot of what i'm thinking about and questioning maybe. yeah okay maybe we can move to the first song i mean second and it's called on the low uh, by <laughs> 
call, I go come deliver I look up all in your hand in So now me, you could love forever I'm a cocky, no fee be let down I'm a angel, angel, now I'm a angel, angel, now Oh, me all down Anytime when I see you for the club Or the television, your body Sure you know no sex Till when you carry 50 kills somebody you know I feel a vibe, you feel a vibe So baby, why it by me? Yeah. And I know you shy, but it's cool when we're making love On the low, 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 on the low Okay, so here we are back uh, with Kelly, uh, Maksud, and um, and this was On the Low by Borna Boy. And what's that song? Why did you pick that song? Um, Borna Boy is from Nigeria. Um, I don't know. That song just brings me a lot of joy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like it just. I think like in December of last year, I went to Mali. Uh, I went to Bamako, and um, this is like in West Africa. And I don't know. I think like I had like I went out one night and had like the most fun of my entire life. I think. <laughs> And it was just like, I don't know, it was just like really great to just be in a place where we're just listening to like African music. And I don't know, like it was just, it just felt like really magical in that moment. And like every time I listen to the song, it just like sort of reminds me of that um, time. And yeah, I don't really get to, you know, I don't really get to be on the continent like west africa that was my first time there and it's just like completely different from east africa and yeah it was just really it's like more desert or uh, like the northern part is like more yeah i mean like that's yeah. the north but like this is mali is kind of i mean like where i was wasn't like really close to the desert um it was like landlocked but yeah it's i don't know I don't know it's just like it just I feel like um I don't know I think that like we don't really travel within the continent is not that easy for people from the continent like it's first of all it's very expensive um if you look at like the way like the route of like having to like fly is like really weird and I don't know what it's like based upon um it's like it's probably like cheaper in many cases to fly to Europe than it is to fly within Africa yeah. um, and so yeah like I just think that like even though we're all from you know we can claim like something that like brings us together as like African people but like at the same time we're also so different. We also don't know that much about each other. And yeah, I think just like the opportunities to like get to travel within Africa and just like, it's just amazing for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. But wait, you 
you uh, you say you've you've been also to Korea yeah. and had 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 a show there. Have you traveled there when you went? Um, no, I was mostly in Seoul. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, because I was like at this at this show in in Leipzig in Germany, and it was like this story about like the Asia and Africa. It was something like the, about China investing in Africa. You know this this whole story about about. Do you know that? Yeah. Yeah. So so what do you think about that? Like, is is it something you you might like? Uh, like artists, I, I, there was a lot of like um, African artists at the show, like who were like uh, interviewing like people and their opinion about that. It was really like like layered, and I, I think like it was a whole like research thing. And I don't know, I just was always curious what 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 you think about that. Um, I don't know. I feel like I don't know. There's many parts to this answer. One is that yes, China is China and other Asian countries are investing a lot in different parts of Africa. Um, a lot of people want to call are calling this sort of like a new colonization or like something like that. Yeah. You know, for that part I don't know. Like I can't really speak to that. Like there's a very big difference between what happens on the ground and what's happening on the state level. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I can't really speak to what's happening on the state level. Um, also, I don't live in in Africa, so it's difficult for me to like really comment on this. Yeah. But what I say I do find problematic is that like a lot of people who ask me this question is a lot of the time when I've been asked this question, it's been from Europeans, you know, <laughs> and. And like, and this is not like I'm not saying anything like about you right now, but it's mostly been like in different European institutions that I've like, been yeah, at or like whatever. And it's like it's almost like they're trying to like kind of wipe their hands of like the stuff that has happened within the continent by Europeans and continues to happen. <laughs> um, and now it's like, oh, let's look at how terrible China is. And I'm just like, we haven't even gotten over half of the shit that you have done to us. Yeah, you yeah. Want, you know, like, and it's like very quickly to like, now let's jump on like China. And I'm just like, it's not to say that like probably, um, you know, the Chinese are probably doing just as much damage, but it also feels a bit strange when it's almost sort of like, look at how terrible this other place is without being like, hey, we also had our hand in all of this. Yeah, you know, because so. I also saw it like I just saw it. I saw it like in a German contemporary art museum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's the first time I heard about that. So you know, it's kind of being advertised. Yeah, and like, so and, but it's, but it's, also, it's not. It's not to like say that there's anything wrong with the art that's being made by people who are like dealing with this question. I'm just sort of like, you know, I think that like a lot of people are like we are obviously aware as citizens as to what is happening right like what's what is going on and what's not going on and stuff like it's not just like blindly like robbing but at the same time there's also the things that happen on the state level where it's just like i don't think that at least like i don't know like to the full extreme what exactly is happening 
you know <laughs> yeah 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 i'm i i saw like a few interviews mm-hmm. uh i mean a lot i spent like the whole day there it was really huge mm-hmm. and as i remember it was a few years ago it was pretty positive actually it was not like making china look like as the new dystopia mm. it was more showing how africa couldn't fit in to the european narrative because europe is very uh demanding mm-hmm. you know uh and there's no capacity you know only a certain type of people can go study abroad but mm-hmm. china kind of gives room and and then people from africa go like to, there, there was all that types of things like you now can study in beijing go to korea and you know it was yeah it was not just china it was like it was kind of also about asia and can can like go over the all over the place so the, when when i saw like that you've been in seoul like i immediately just it came to my mind that i have to ask you that because like that's something which which i couldn't ask anybody after that show like nobody knows anything about that yeah i mean like i would say that like um when i was in seoul i didn't encounter that many africans there mm-hmm. um but when i was leaving to come back that's where you know at the airport we were all on the same flight there was a ton of africans who were like studying there and i realized that they're not many of them are not studying in seoul they're studying in busan um and so like that was like one thing um i think that like what what china and um some of the other like asian countries you know korea maybe a little bit of japan um has just allowed for a different alternative than europe mm. um and it's just sort of like this cuz like i said you know once as an ex colony of um of britain it just means that like you're being molded in to fit into this european narrative from you know from inception you know like this is what your and even to the point of like when you decide to go and like study and if you have the opportunity to study abroad then it makes it so that you have to go into you know you have to go study in in, in england or in europe or like something like that you know um and so yeah you know like that is like super problematic but i think that like you know china and like korea like come in and they offer like a different alternative because like studying it's not like going to like a study in europe means that like it's going to be like cheaper for you or like whatever like those years are gone you know yeah yeah um but like china comes in and they might have like scholarships or like you know different things but yes. like it's also very you know like if you look at the news and you look at like a lot of like what is happening in china with the african populations there it's very problematic it's like you know there is a lot of um hate crimes and so it's like it's all it's also not that rosy you know everything is complicated like they it's not yeah so yeah 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 okay i just um thought it's cool to raise this because yeah. it's like a world it's kind of uh i don't know it's a, it's it's inter- it was for me just like uh like just such such a uh surprise you know just seeing this kind of story mm-hmm. and then like um 
also having like layers of course and stuff but but i i was of course i was struck by the positive thing more mm. than than the negative because coming to a show i was expecting only negative you know <laughs> things because i'm used to it just you know as a person who goes to shows it's right. only yeah so i was kind of surprised by that right. um yeah okay may, maybe we can go to the next song you will not be able to plug um and it's called okay yeah the revolution will not be televised by gil scott heron <laughs> and that's also a name of your one of your works right the revolution will not be brought to oh that's the oh that's the, the, the work from soul right yeah okay so this is so yeah and leading a charge by john mitchell general abrams and mendel rivers to eat hog maws confiscated from a harlem sanctuary the revolution will not be televised the revolution will not be brought to you by the Schaefer Award Theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia the revolution will not give your mouth sex appeal the revolution will not get rid of the nubs the revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner the revolution will not be televised brother there will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on reports from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on a rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still lifes of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he had been saving for just the right occasion. Green Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so goddamn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally screwed Jane on Search for Tomorrow because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry Arm women. Um, okay, so here we are back with Kelly Maksud. And so, yeah, so we covered um, kind of your background from Kenya uh, and all this like uh, landscape of identities you have so maybe we can talk about what, what you're doing now at so you're a Columbia student and what are you working on now um, so right now I'm working I mean like like I said I'm Columbia I'm working on um, I'm working on a project that's looking at uh, different African national anthems that were adopted um, after different countries gained independence. And um, I guess like maybe like the larger thing that I'm like interested in is like sort of the types of speech or language that's issued by the state and how it's sort of like meant to speak for a very big group of people. Um, but like that type of language does not, it obviously can't uh, encapsulate like everyone because it doesn't even believe that everybody is at the end of the day, a citizen or even um, human in some sense, right? And so, you know, it's obviously like the language of the state is very much built into the language of like the colonial, you know? Um, and so like, for me, like there's something interesting here where I feel like even, even for like, 
even in our moment, and by our, I mean like different African countries, when we're gaining like independence and we have this moment of like self-determination, we still sort of like revert to this very European language to like self-determine ourselves. And like, you know, so like, what does that really say about the process of like decolonization and like what have you? Um, and like, I'm not interested necessarily in saying that like, oh, this is bad or good. It's just really more posing it as like a question in some scenarios. And also, um, yeah, just also like, I'm just interested in, in contradiction in many ways. So uh, I've been working on that and um, the larger project is to try and sort of like take samples from these anthems, like sort of like micro samples from the anthems and um, somehow like remix them into something else, um, into something that like is pushing beyond the border state, you know, into something that like might begin to speak about um, a bit more of a fluidity that's happening within the actual like citizenship of the countries and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't gotten like that far because of like, you know, pandemic and like what have you, but um, yeah, there's just like different things that I'm like trying to think about like when it comes to reordering how we might understand a national anthem and like what, what would happen if like I took out like, you know, the sort of flourishy, like grandeur, like parts of the anthem and like what's left with that, you know? Um, and then there's also, like, also other things that are happening uh, visually where, you know, I've, the samples that I'm taking from like the actual scores of music, I'm embroidering them onto paper. And because you have, um, with embroidery, you're always going to have a front and a back. So um, it becomes this like sort of um, allegory for like, you know, on the one side, it can like speak to like what's happening on the state level, but on the other side, it speaks a bit more to like what's happening on the ground and um, whatever is happening on the ground, whatever like that embroidery looks like on the backside for me then becomes the thing that I can think about to start um, thinking about a new sound. So like they, they then become this sort of like visual notation of some sort um, that can now begin to create a different type of sound, but one that's like still very much connected to the state, because I think that like, it's, you know, we, we are very entangled in this, in this like sort of question of like who we are. We're not authentically like this. I don't know what authentic is, you know, like we cannot deny the European within ourselves. We cannot deny the black within ourselves. Like, but like, where do these two things meet and what happens? after that, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what I'm working on right now. But do you play these notes then? Do you um, put them into music? Yeah, so like that's what I'm that's what I'm working on now. So like um, actually like putting them into, um, you know, different like freeware. Like I've just been playing around with like Audacity right now. And like, um, you know, it's the question of just sort of like how how you might be able to like stretch or elongate or like you know uh -huh. sort of like couple the notes or i think like something also very interesting happens once i don't know once you see the 
sound itself visually in whatever software that you use. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you can, like, from that, you can begin to, like, like it allows for, like, a different type of play and, like, whatever. So, yeah. yeah. But it's just, like, I'm still very much, like, experimenting with all of this and just sort of, like, seeing. I don't come from a musical background at all, even though I'm greatly influenced by music. So it takes me, like, a bit longer to, like, figure out a lot of this stuff because I, I don't even know what I'm looking at, you know, half of the time. <laughs> like, looking at, like, music scores and I'm like, I don't know what this language is. I don't know what I'm doing. But, like, hey, let's just play around and see what happens. So I think a lot of it is just, like, propositions for like what could be uh -huh. as opposed to what is at this point and I don't know I like that space of just like um this is you know how can we imagine otherwise yeah and I think art is a good medium for allowing you to kind of go into a space like music you know like and kind of doing your ideas there without like being like a musician and yeah. going into scores without like knowing how to read them, but you can like look at them from a different angle just because you kind of don't read them in the same way. And that's what what kind of is interesting to me. And I, I, I think that's what also like people from this genres kind of, I think always are like, oh my God, like, you know, they would probably never do that or, you know, or yeah you know yeah. what i mean They're, yeah i mean half the time people don't know what i'm doing i mean like i also don't really know what i'm doing i feel like i've gotten like a lot more um understanding of where i'm at and stuff huh. um but you know i feel like sometimes you get caught up in like i should do this the right way and it's like actually there's no right or wrong way <laughs> yeah um and yeah and i think that there's like a huge history of like where art and music collide, you know? And I'm not the first person to think about the space of these two things coming together, so. Yeah. Well, like visual arts in a way and, and music. So wait, which, which anthems are you using? Of which? I'm, I am using uh, African national anthems. Ah, okay. So various African national anthems, yeah. Um, initially, like the, the entry to this work, like I actually started working on this when I was in um, doing a residency in Spain, like a few years ago. And I think that there's, there's always been for me the question within the project of like nationalism is like, what is the place of, what is the place of like the woman or the feminine within, within this project? Um, and yeah, a lot of the times is, you know, women are written out. Of yeah. it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it was just like, it, it, for me, this is how it began. And so like when I was looking at the national anthems and like when I started to really look deeply at them, I started to like look at like, what is, what, what are the different countries saying about themselves? You know, like what is, what, what are we saying when we sing these various anthems? And a lot of it is like talking about brotherhoods and fatherlands and uh -huh. um and like very few i think there's just like two that mention mothers in it you know but it's just like can we also think about the feminine if it's not maternal like i don't know like you know there's just there's there's a lot of things that like there that i um i started to question but yeah so i think like 
the samples that I was pulling out initially was like all the areas where they were speaking about brotherhood, fatherland, father, sons, and all of that. But now I don't know if I'm that interested in doing that. Like I think I'm it's it's shifting a little bit. So I don't know. I don't know where it's gonna go, but that's where I'm at. Yeah, so you're using this space now at the school kind of to reconfigure a little bit and leaving yourself space to experiment and and so so the, the, was it the first time you kind of touched on music and on sound now at the school uh, yeah probably like in a probably like an official type of way yeah it was the first yeah. time um yeah. yeah i think that like i I've always been interested in in music and what happens, what music does to the body, you know? Like, I think that I've always, and still to, to today, I have to be careful with what I listen to because it can just take me somewhere, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, like what? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I'll start, like, listening to something and then it's, like, two hours go by and I'm lying on the floor and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing on the floor, you know? Really? Like, yeah. It, it has like a huge, very huge effect on me. Like that I'm just, that I have to be aware of that, obviously. Oh. Um, and yeah, but I've never thought about until now, like, um, I don't know. Like, I think now it's a question of like how music structures society, right? Uh-huh. Um, there's been like a lot of inquiry into other things that are structuring society, but like right now, the thing that I'm really interested in like is how is music structuring? What is its role in structuring society? Yeah, that's really an interesting theme. I mm. was on a workshop once, like mm. we were doing like mosaic, mosaic, mm-hmm. and they were just playing the radio all day, mm. all day, only radio and like FM music. <laughs> and it was only like love triangle songs <laughs> only about that and i was like also thinking about how is this structure in society <laughs> it was only baby leave me no here there he who cheat there i'm like oh my god i was like dying i was like literally my brain was like like i don't know I really thought that like it's insane what they, they actually every song is about that it's, it's insane right is they, there is there a specific music that you find yourself listening to when you're working uh-huh. uh, I'm kind of like yeah, all over this place I'm kind of on Spotify and that's like I think Spotify took over <laughs> right. a specificity of musics of you mm. you know but I don't know like Mm, I don't know. At the moment, I'm listening to some kind of metal music, right? Which are really like some kind of like a new American stuff, which is kind of a blend, like atmospheric stuff. But yeah. like I also at this station here, I'm playing uh, like at eleven. So this is like at nine. At eleven, I have like a Balkan show. Huh. So I was I was like since I came here I kind of started to go because like Balkan you know music is looked at from like a world perspective such always like as folk music always mm-hmm. as kind of like in the idea of like world music 
Mm. But the real Balkan music, we also had like punk stuff. We also had like, you know, our own movements and all, all stuff. So I kind of wanted to uh, make a Balkan show, which is not like a typical like folklore, folkloric uh, music, mm. but everything but that in some way. So I'm kind of listening a lot to that type of music and kind of trying to find like a map. Right. Mm, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And trying to kind of explain because like when I say that there is like punk from Yugoslavia or people are like, what? You know, it's, right. you know, it's, uh, it sounds weird. The same as uh, punk from Africa, I think like, I just recently found out there was like movements all over like Africa of punk music. And I think with, with the internet and all this stuff, now we can listen to that, you know? Yeah. And I mean, like, Africa is huge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. But, you know, it's becoming bigger now for people who are not from there. Because before we were just like having this like idea of Africa, I think. Because it was just a place which you don't know what it is. But now with all this like new media, I think it's good. Because now these places which are seen as only one big place like China, Africa, you know, all this like big blank spaces are now getting their own. You can kind of dive into it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think like we are yet like the world is bigger than we think it is. And I think that's like, I don't know, it's, it's a refreshing thought for me to, to think that I don't know anything about Africa. And I'm like, thank God, I don't know, like, you know, there's something new I can like discover and like, I mean, there's like there's something interesting from working from a place of not knowing. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think that like sometimes like in in like institutions like whether like we're in the university or in the museum or like whatever, it's like there's always this like push to like knowing everything. It's like sometimes we just don't know, and it's okay to work from that position of like not knowing. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and actually, it might be even more refreshing to work from the position of not knowing because then you're not trying to like. I don't know, flex in a weird way or like speak with some, any type of authority, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I think you could speak to me, but you could speak to somebody else from Kenya. You could even speak to a family member of mine and like, they'll tell you something completely different, you know, like a lot of this is very subjective at the end of the day. Like, yeah. 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 Because like, like, like for example, American culture is so well shaped and defined and designed for it's to be consumed. It's like, mm -hmm. it's, it's designed. It's like, you know, we all know what USA is, it's very clear, but you know, mm -hmm. other places uh, historically haven't been so much in self-documentation into self-promotion, you know, like, I don't know. I think from, from many places there was like no documents at all. Like nobody even wrote down like what was happening, like, you know. <laughs> I think that things have been written in a lot of places. I think that like things have been destroyed in a lot of places. Yeah, also destroyed. Like but I think that, like it's very that we don't know about particular cultures and particular countries is very like that is very much on purpose, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like in order to like uphold the colonial encounter or to uphold the neocolonial, like, you know whatever or to just like even the very fact that like 
you don't have to have been to America to know what America is, you know, because of the way that America like speaks about America, you know, that is just like a lot of these things, the way that, you know, the loudness, like the way that we know about these things is happening in a very precise manner. And it's very much has to do with power, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and who gets the mic and who doesn't get the mic. And historically, we all know who hasn't gotten the mic, you know, and this is not just an African thing, Eastern Europe as well, like, Y'all been fucked for a long time, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. it's many. I mean, many, many. Like, I mean, uh, I th I think that basically ninety percent of the world hasn't got the mic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's basically ninety percent of the world, and it's like, I I'm kind of like uh, I just feel like kind of okay with it. Like, I don't know. Like, I was I feel more okay now that I came here actually. Right. Yeah, because. I see what it means also in having the mic. Right. You know, it's 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 also hard. Like if you have the mic, you're like, there's you need to be so careful. It's like everyone's just waiting for you to do something wrong. Like it's it's also like a. I don't know. It's weird. Like I don't I don't want to have the mic. <laughs> I don't want to have the mic. But I think like <laughs> you know like having I don't know. I feel like there's there needs to be a bit of a shift around that. Like. Yeah, you need to be able to have the mic and also be wrong sometimes. Mm -hmm. Those things need to be able to like function on the same plane, you know. But I think that a lot of the way that like Western um, civilization structures itself is like is is very much within this like binary systems of like right or wrong. And yeah. it's just when we when we all know that like things are very much in the middle, you know. And so I think that like we should you know we should aspire to like having the mic and being vulnerable enough to be wrong you know than yeah. Like yeah. having the mic and continuously only striving to be right because we already see how how this is messed up you know yeah okay i really like like this end of our conversation <laughs> unfortunately i hope i i will like kind of shove some songs into this because I'm, I apologize for everyone who wants to listen to the entire songs, but they're gonna, not going to be fully played. Uh, so thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Uh, and um, yeah, thank you for being here and sharing your thoughts. And uh, the last song you picked is by Nina Simone. And the song is called Do I Move You? So this was a WKCR podcast. Um, with Columbia student Kelly Safia Maksud. And thank you all for listening. This is pre recorded on Tuesday, will be aired on Sunday. And thank you all for listening. Are you loose now? The answer better be. And please, is me. Are you ready for this action? Does it give you satisfaction? Are you hip to what I'm saying? If you are.
eases me When I touch you Do you quiver? 